How are you guys? Blessed? Amen? Feels weird, huh? Like, oh, I think the lights are off. Turn the lights on, please. That's why you guys are all like half asleep and stuff. Just turn the lights on, make it really cold, and also turn the... <laughs> Just kidding. Um, laugh, guys, I'm joking. Ha ha. Jeez. Have fun in the Lord, the joy of the Lord, guys. We're going to have fun today, amen? We're going to talk about judgment. We're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm serious, too. Um, so I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And uh, I don't really have a title for the message today, but uh, I don't know, maybe we could talk about it after. Um, maybe we could call it Don't Judge Me, Only God Can Judge Me. That's a popular thing that the kids say. So uh, somebody by the name, some, some guy by the name of Tupac made that popular, Only God Can Judge Me. Amen. He, he said that. He's like one of our great poets of America. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so the kids always say like, hey, only God can judge me, you know? And so they use that as kind of like, don't judge me, right? And they have a, like a good point. You know, they do have a good point. God, he does judge. He's the judge. Um, but here we're going to read uh, what Jesus has to say about judging. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. And if you have it, can I get an amen or? All right. So let's read it. Uh, do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. <laughs> the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see, the, see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Wow, something fell. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Amen? I think, well, let's pray first, and then I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Use me, Lord. This is your word, God. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Those prayers are going to start getting shorter, I think, because, um, you know, uh, I, God's word is blessed. And uh, I, I, I believe that that when you read it with the Holy Spirit and, you know, you know who God is, it just kind of comes alive. But anyway, I want to tell you what I think. Remember, I said that I think Jesus is very funny. Amen. I think he is very humorous, very hilarious. I think that hasn't changed with Jesus. He's very funny. What he's describing here to me is hilarious, okay? And we'll get into it right now, but it is, it has comedy to it. You got to understand, like, the, the seriousness of it. But in that seriousness, his depiction, his description is very, very humorous. So... Right here, if you don't know, he's doing something that's very famous that a lot of people have heard of. It's called the Sermon, uh, Sermon of the Mount, 
Have you guys, anybody ever heard that before? Sermon of the Mount. Amen. Cynthia, thank you. So the Sermon of the Mount, he's at a mount, right, at a hill, and he's preaching to the people of Israel. And this is his, if not his first sermon, one of them, right? Like one of the very first sermons. And he's describing so many things that perhaps these people have never heard before. They've never heard uh, love your enemies, for example. To them, uh, to love an enemy was bizarre. Like, they didn't talk about stuff like that. For them, it was like revenge. Eye for an eye, right? You remember that? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's how they dealt with their enemies. If they hurt us, if they took one of our guys, we're taking ten of theirs. Like, they better watch out because that's how we deal with things here because we're very loving that way. And that's how they dealt with things. And Jesus comes along, and he begins to preach the Sermon of the Mount, and he begins to change the paradigm. He begins to change their, their perspective. Their world begins to change, amen? And I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus Christ, my world changed. Now, it didn't change right away. You know, some people have, like, a, a right-away change. They're, like, right away, they're, like, they're uh, two days in, and they're, like, preaching and speaking in tongues and raising the dead, you know, like they're like, and that's possible. But what I'm saying is that it's not like that for everyone, right? So when I, when I came to Christ, he began to change the way that I thought. And he's continuing to change the way that I think, amen? It's not like a thing where, where I'm there already and like we, we come to Christ and, and we're there. Like, like we think like him, we, we know it, you know, we don't know everything yet. It's a process. It's called the renewal of the mind, amen? Now, he's changed us from the inside. He's given us a spirit. He's given us salvation, a new heart and all that. But he's transforming and teaching our mind because the way that our soul used to think is used to thinking a certain way. So he's here to change the way that we think so that when problems and situations come into our life, we don't have the same reaction that we had 10 years ago. But we react differently because we know him. He knows us and we're in his kingdom. Amen. So he, he begins to change their paradigm, the, their way of, of thinking, begins to, to say things that, that they've never heard before. Or maybe they, they had heard a long time ago, but by the time that Jesus begins to preach this message, there's this religious spirit that has taken over Israel where they don't know who they are. And, and, and nonetheless, they don't even know who God is. They don't know who God is anymore. They don't realize that God himself is standing right in front of them, preaching to them. I don't, understand, I don't know if you understand the, the magnitude of, of God himself in the flesh preaching to his people. God is in, you know, he's Jesus, he's God, and he's preaching. He's preaching the message, the gospel of the kingdom, and he's changing the way uh, they should think. And here's one thing that, that he begins to say. And, and, you know, I didn't, when I read this today and I, I was reading Matthew and I read this and I felt like the Lord led me to this. And then I put it away and I was like, I don't want to talk about that. Like judgment, like judging. And like, that's so complicated. Like there's all these weird things. And 
I went to lunch, and like, I couldn't get it out of my heart. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And I went back to it, and I, I put a preaching on, and he was talking about something like this, and not exactly the same, but similar. And I thought, wow, Lord, this is what you want to tell us here. He, he's saying to, to the people that he's preaching, he's like, don't judge others, and you will not be judged. And, well, you got to understand where, where the people were living at at that time. They were living in, in such a religious spirit that everything was judging. Everything was about judging with the people of Israel. They were so into, into their traditions and religions that, that they weren't even paying attention to their own life. They were worried about their neighbor. They were worried about the person next to them. They, they had no idea the concept of forgiveness in the way that we do. You got to understand, Jesus came to show us what forgiveness and love looks like. Amen. It was expressed through the cross. And these people had no idea. They were so used to, one, being judged and judging others. They were so used to the religious men at that time judging them because they didn't do certain things to meet the requirements of their religion. Amen. They were constantly being judged and being looked at and being separated because they were dirty and, and, and being put aside because they, they were this and they were that. They were used to constantly being judged. It was their atmosphere there. It, it was their, their nature now. It was part of the way they thought. It was, it was everything, how they work, how they function. Everything had to do with judging. The religious people, the, the leaders, they were judging the people. The people, they were judging each other. That's all they did. That's, that's why it's important that we understand why is Jesus saying this to them? Why is he saying that? Because they were so entrapped by this religious spirit. What, religious, what the religious spirit does, it, it turns our attention to each other. Because, because we're not doing the things that we think that the other person should be doing because they've been Christian for so long. Or, 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 or they've been going to church for so long, or I've been going to church for so long, and I know Christ for so long, I should be doing this and that. And I'm not saying let's not have goals and aspirations and passion and desire to do greater things for God. I'm saying when, when things start directing to our heart and we begin to judge ourselves and each other, God doesn't want us to live like that. That's why Jesus stood in front of this multitude and said, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. You see, what he was saying, he was, he, he was saying, I want to create, or, or not create, but because it had been created already, but I want to show you that there is a different culture, that the culture of the kingdom, there's no judging between brothers and sisters. There is no judging. That you don't even judge yourself. That's how it works in the kingdom. Now, you got to think about this. I was thinking about this, obviously, today. And uh, I don't know, the Lord just, just kind of had me thinking. And, and I saw, like, like if he's like, like, imagine, like, if there was, like, an actual, real, physical kingdom. Okay? 
Can you imagine with me? Anybody been to Disneyland? I know a few people that go often. Seen it in pictures, at least. A movie? A Disney movie? Somebody? Anybody? All right. All right. Imagine there's an actual kingdom, right? God's kingdom. You can see it. You can touch it. There it is, God's kingdom. <clears throat> now, do you think if, there, if you can see the kingdom, would people be running away from it like they are now or trying to get in? Because, man, Disneyland and Disney World and Disney everything, <laughs> these people are not millionaires, not billionaires. They're whatever's next after that, trillionaires. They're loaded, okay? Why? Because for a moment, for a moment, you can feel happy. You forget about your problems, you know? You forget that you crashed your car. Last week, you forget that you have bills to pay for just a few moments. Uh, obviously, you have to go back to that. But for a few moments. Now, now he was making me think like the Lord was like, now imagine this kingdom is there. But everyone there is happy. Because you don't really see too many sad things at Disneyland, right? Like everything's very happy, right? I don't know why I'm talking about Disney. I, I don't know. But, but, but God was making me see this kingdom with a different culture, with a different language, everybody happy, but nobody wants to be a part of it. Like, that's exactly how we are. We're the kingdom. We're happy. We're saved. But everyone else is like, I don't want none of that. Why? Because of what Jesus is talking about right there. You can't antagonize and evangelize. You can't. You can't do that. I've seen, you know, I'm a weirdo. Don't, don't. Only imitate me in what I imitate Christ in, which is very little. Some of you got that. But I, I watch videos of uh, people, other preachers, okay? And, uh. Competition, you know? Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I see, uh, I watch these videos of these people that go evangelize, okay, out in the streets. I, God bless them. For real, God bless them. Because I don't want to sit up here and say, like, I go all the time to evangelize. Because that's something else that we got to do. Amen? But they do go out all the time. Unfortunately, they don't represent us all the way right all the time. I'll give you an example. They went to evangelize at another preacher's convention <laughs> outside. You know the preacher, the smiley guy that's very happy all the time. He's in Disneyland all day, every day. Joel Osteen, you know what I'm talking about. And they're evangelizing outside. Okay, I'm just going to tell you one little like, thing that I saw that I was like, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't want to be Christian, although I am. He said uh, they, were, they were preaching. There's about 10, 12 of them, all men. They're preaching, and they're, they're really antagonizing. They're, like, they're looking for an argument. Amen? And so what they do is they, they judge, you know. 
They just say things to judge. Some lady responds. She didn't even respond in a bad way. Okay? Some lady's like, but why are you guys here? Like, she didn't even finish, but I understood that she was going to say, why are you guys here? This is a Christian event. I don't get it. Like, she didn't understand. <clears throat> he says, shut up. This is church here. You're a woman, and you can't speak at church. Now, I'm thinking, wow, she's really going to want to be Christian like you now. When we judge others, when we put others down, we're putting, we're essentially, you know what we're doing? Come on, let me get your attention. You know what we're doing when we do that? We're putting ourselves down. When we judge others, Jesus is saying there, don't judge others and you will not be judged. So when we do judge, we're essentially, we're judging ourselves. So we can look, we can look. At what's going on right now, we can look at the homosexual community and say, but, you know, like, I could deal with everything else. Like, the lying, cheating, adulterous pastor, not me, but the homosexual, I just, the heart in me wants to judge. Let's keep it real. But the truth is that every sinner needs Jesus. Every sinner needs Jesus. We don't have to agree, but let's agree that I need Jesus, that everyone else needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. You can't come at people with, uh, with, with do's and don'ts that you yourself can't keep. We can't do that. We can't expect people to perform and change their behavior when we haven't changed ours. We need to take ourselves away from the place of God, let God be God, and let us be the messengers of God. See, this is what he was telling him them here. He was telling them, don't worry about others and judging them or even yourself. That's, that's God's job. That's why the kids are right. Only God can judge you. Well, they were actually right. Now, that's also not all the way a good idea unless you have Jesus, right? Because you don't want God to judge you without Jesus. With Jesus, you're good. He, he's your advocate, the Bible says. Man, he's interceding for you. So he tells them, the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So essentially what we're doing is we're saying, man, and you know what? Let's keep it real. I've done it. I've done it. Like, it's so easy. It comes out like, like it's a natural thing to say, ah, that guy. If he would have just... Listened to me. <laughs> All right, keep it real. If he would have just, like I'm the Holy Spirit, right? <clears throat> if he would have just uh, heard my counsel, he would be so good right now. God's funny. 
He lets us get away with those things. <laughs> when we say those things, you know, when we say those things, God's probably like, <laughs> you're cute. <laughs> you're cute. You know, because I remember, like, I used to tell my mom, when, I, when I'm 18, I'm going to get married and I'm leaving this house. She'd be like, no, you're not. And then 18 came around, and I was, like, barely getting my first job. <laughs> I don't think I had a job at 18. I think I got it at 19. So God, he, he sees when we say stuff like that, and it's, like, it's cute, you know. But, but we, I don't know why in our, in, in the way that we think, we just immediately think that people should be at the same standard that we hold. They should, they should be like me. They should talk like me. They should pray like me. They should come to church like I do. They should do everything like how I do it because, man, I'm so awesome. And you are awesome, but only because God thinks you're awesome. Not because Kevin or Pastor Mario thinks you're awesome. Amen? The standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. Don't, like, look at each other to bring each other up and encourage. Not like when someone, like when, when I do say, hey, man, like I haven't seen you at church, you know, like I'm not saying it because I'm judging. I'm saying it because I care. Amen? Like a, like a big brother or a dad, like, man, like trust, like it helps, it helps. I, I wanted to give up, like, the first year of Grace and Love, I don't know how I made it, to be honest with you. I wanted to give up. I wanted to throw in the towel. I remember walking in my kitchen, looking around. Even the kitchen looked boring and ugly to me. Like, I, I didn't understand. Like, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to throw in the towel, and I even told God, God, is, are you for real? Like, is this real? Like, are you real? This, is that, like, what's going on? But he didn't let me give up. So people encouraged me, keep going. It doesn't matter, like, like you feel this and you feel that, but just keep going. Don't, don't give up. That's different than, hey, if you don't go, man, I don't know where you're going to end up. That's, that's like you're already calling it. You're judging. You're making a call. And, and people, when we, when we judge, really what we're saying is, is we already know what's going to happen to this person. Like, we have, like, I learned this from Danny, or some of us did. We have, like, an already listening about the person. Like, I already know what's going to happen to that person. That's what we're saying by judging. Really, what we're doing is we're cutting them off. Okay, boundaries are good, but walls are not. Boundaries are good, but what walls do is, is it makes us... It isolates us and it isolates the other person. It doesn't create connection. Walls aren't good. Boundaries are great. Please have boundaries. Don't meet the first person. You meet them the first time and you're telling them the whole story. Ah, you know, like I grew up, they abused me and I hate my life and now I'm good. Though. I just met you. Like, you know, when I worked at Bank of America, that would happen all the time with the older people, like, like senior citizens, because, you know, they don't really have people to talk to anymore. So they would come into my job, and they would sit at my desk, and they got comfortable, and they're just relaxing. I'm doing their account stuff, and they just start going, like, you know, my kids don't love me, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, 
like, should I call them? Like, uh, I feel like I know <laughs> Abuelita. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, they just like, Ugh, and I'm just like, oh my God. Like, uh, and I would go home like, oh my God, I heard so many problems today. <laughs> they just, you know, boundaries are good. Walls, walls are not. I can feel when people have walls. Discernment is different than judging. Okay? Now, when you discern, I don't know if you remember, but when you discern is you're approving what's excellent, what's good. It's not necessarily disapproving. If you read the verse in Acts, I forgot where, you're approving what's excellent. So you see that stuff is not good, but you're saying, okay, but this is. I discern that this is, and that's not. Judging is saying this, cutting off, like there's no hope, there's no way, like this person's cut off, down. Discernment is like, okay, let me help this person. Let me encourage them because I feel a wall, not boundary, a wall. Amen? Verse 3, and why worry about a speck? <laughs> This is the funny part. God's, uh, Jesus' humor. And why worry about a speck, a little speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that little speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? So you're, this is a good example here. This is a good piece of wood right here. Jesus is saying, look, you're like this. Hey, uh, you got a little something in your eye over there. It's not you, Sister Patty. I'm just pointing in that direction. Uh, no, not you either. Over there. Uh, you have a little something in your eye over there. Uh, I, I can see it from here. The spirit of the Lord is telling me that you need to take it out. Me? No, I can see perfectly. <laughs> my eyes got all foggy. I mean, my glasses. <sighs> Isn't he funny, Jesus? He's like, you have a big log in your eye. A big, huge log in your eye. And you're telling that other person, hey, dude, better be careful. Watch out. I see it. I see it's little, but careful. And then you go home and you're addicted to pornography. Or you're stealing from your job. Like I mean, like stealing, not, not like a pen or a paper clip. <laughs> like, you, like you took a coffee machine the other day. I don't know how you did it, but you took it. And you're like, oh, no, but, you know, we all do it. Uh, let's keep it real, guys. Jesus is saying, look, y'all don't have to worry about each other in that way, about, about fixing each other. You can't fix people. The carpenter fixes people. Jesus fixes people. Now, we want to, like, we want to stick our our hands in, in, the, in the pot and say, 
come on, you know, like, get this. You know, like, we want them to hurry up and get it in their mind. But truthfully, that's, that's, the, that's God's job and, and his word. That's why it's good to, to be together in church service because you hear God's word. Even if it's funny, it's still God's word. He said it, not me, you know, he's being funny here. Basically, that's like a definition of a hypocrite. Is calling someone out for something, whatever it might be, when you yourself uh, have a lot. Now, if you're dealing with your stuff, if you're talking to someone about your issues, and you want to help someone out, that's different. What I'm talking about is pointing fingers and cutting people off, walls. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. But seeing well enough means that you understand who you are in Christ. You understand who Christ is in you. And you can go tell someone the same thing. Man, you're beautiful to God. You're righteous before him. He loves you intensely and furiously. That's being able to see. Because you're not going to see with your own eyes. You're going to see with God's eyes. Amen? You're going to see how he sees. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Open your Bibles to the same chapter there in verse 12. Jesus is preaching here. I love this. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is the essence. Everything is summed up in, an, in, a, in a, the substance is to treat others how you would like them to treat you. I know people call that the golden rule. People that don't even know Christ know about this. They say it too. Just like that. One, what, I would, uh, what I used to say when I first discovered like this gospel, I would, I would feel like God put goggles on me. And I could no longer see people the same. Even the worst of the worst, I have compassion. And be, why? Because God loves them so much. He loves even the one, the, even the guy that just killed those nine people at that church. He loves that kid. Kid was like 19 or 21 years old. And, and he went into, into a church just like this, a night just like this. And he sat there the whole service, the whole Bible study. He sat there. He even spoke. He even shared. And towards the end, he shot nine people and killed them. And then he stood before the judge and those, the family members of all those nine people, I don't know if you saw this video, forgave him. They said, I forgive you. Because they understood what Jesus is talking about. Their culture, their mentality had completely changed. You need to stop judging others. We need to stop judging others. And most importantly, what happens a lot now, especially when you're living this life of grace, you judge yourself. You put yourself down. And God is saying, you don't even have the right to judge yourself. First of all, because you're forgiven and, and you have salvation and the blood covers you. And second, because you're not God. 
He chooses to love you. Let me read one more thing to you so you can see. First of John chapter 3. We'll end with this. First of John chapter 3. Uh, I forgot what verse I said. Oh, yeah. 20. Verse 20. First of John chapter 3. Verse 20 and 21. Amen? First of John chapter 3, 20 says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. Let me read that again. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. And he knows everything. What does he know? Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And then it says, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. I didn't give her that one, but. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. See, he's saying, look, don't judge yourself. Don't condemn yourself because I have forgiven you. And it says, uh, even if we feel guilty, because there's there's times where you might feel guilty. You got to remember this truth. God is greater than how you feel. And he knows everything. And if we don't feel guilty, we can come to to God with bold confidence. He's saying he's inviting you. Come, come, come. Um, as, as I uh, meditated on this today. Um, God reminded me of how he felt on the cross and how he, he, he uttered these words, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? The moment in the cross, one of the strongest moments on the cross when Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? At that moment, Jesus was being judged for our sin. He was receiving the punishment for our sin. There was a there, there was a disconnect in a sense because of our sin. And he yelled out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? So it's not our job to judge others or even judge ourselves. It's our job to just fall in love more with Jesus every day. To just have relationship with him. So don't let the enemy put thoughts in your life about guilt, condemnation, and judgment. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is here to judge. But not you and I. The devil. Because he's being sent to the lake of fire. That's exactly what it says. Mims, you read it last week, I believe. He is the one that's condemned. He is the one that's guilty. But he tries to make you feel that way. But it's not your job. It's not your place as a child. So imagine that kingdom, right? Everyone's happy. You're happy. Now, now you're bringing people in because now you're not fighting for, with people to come in to the gospel, you know, evangelizing. You're loving on people to bring them in to that kingdom. Like, there's no judgment here. Like, he loves you. He loves you. Come in. Amen.